three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 36, and we are so excited to have a guest with us today. Um, we are welcoming Bridges Spiva, who is a teacher that we taught together many years ago, and she has been listening to our podcast some this summer and just um, was, you know, asking us questions and talking to us about it, and we were like, friend, you need to come and, and hang out with us and talk math one day. So um, Ruth is also joining us from the beach. Woo! From the and- beach. And so she might sound a little different today, um, maybe well-rested and um, excited, <laughs> but she's at the beach and we have um, Zoomed her in. Is that a verb? Can you use that as a verb? Like I you think do you just did. Skype or something? Okay. Well, she's Zooming in with us. That's awkward. Um, and yeah, so I think we're, you got anything else we need to say before we start rolling? I don't think so. Okay. No, I'm happy to be here. So yeah. thanks for having me. Thank it's you. It's exciting. Thanks. Plus, we haven't seen each other in many, many years, so it's really um it's on my part just because I really want to see Tracy again. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, we, I, I am, I am glad to have you here. I really enjoyed working with you. Well, that one year, if you know, felt like we worked together a lot longer than that because we made a good team. I agree. Um, I tell people all the time that you're kind of my best uh, coworker oh, experience. Thank so you. I do miss working thank with you. you. Yep. Um, all right. Well, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say my memory of Bridges is on the. The day when y'all dressed up like Jamestown people. Yeah. And like when I think of, of Bridges, the image is her dressed up in like those, you know, tall socks that people wear. <laughs> and like Jamestown Day. James, yeah. Jamestown Day clothes. That's yep. that's the image that's in my that house. That fun. was the best day. Yeah. It was. Yes. All right. So, oh, and we will mention that we, we we have been talking about lots of different books this summer, and we're just taking a little break from that. Um, I've, I'm a little bit bothered by the fact that we said we were going to have a guest on every multiple of five, and then we just totally screwed it up. But... We only missed it by one. Oh, no. I did okay. hear that. And, yeah. Oh, Here no. we are on 36. You Do know? you want me to switch them up? Hey, guys, this may really be 35. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. I, I, I can be okay 35 with it. hasn't gone out yet. <laughs> yeah, I can be okay with the disorder. It's fine. I like it. It kind of matches us, yeah. <laughs> me and Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and but we will be back to books next week. We have a couple more books before. Back to the books. Back, uh, before school starts. All right. So, Bridges, just tell us a little bit about your teaching journey. How did you get into teaching? Because I, I think I know you didn't start there, right? Exactly. And then what has been your um, journey as you've been going through this? Sure. Well, you're exactly right. I didn't start there. I like to say in my former life, um, it's always interesting that I was a juvenile probation officer. Wow. I served in that capacity for about 10 years. And then I I guess growing up, I always played school. I loved, I had a big chalkboard in my room. I loved teaching all the neighborhood kids, but both of my parents were teachers. And I think as I started getting older, I, I was kind of stomped my foot and was like, I'm not going to be a teacher because both of my parents are teachers. And so I went a different path, which landed me in the juvenile justice world. And then um, 10 years into that, I just recognized that being a teacher is what I wanted to do. And it was in my blood. So Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, at the time, Lynchburg College had a a teacher course where um, I could do a fast track, get all the education courses that I needed. And so I was able to switch over and get my Virginia teaching license in one year. Wow. And then wow. I started uh, teaching after that. So this will be my, I'm getting ready to go into my 13th 
fifth year of teaching. Okay. Uh, so, and in that, I taught, uh, gracious, eight years, third grade, one year in fourth grade with you, mm-hmm. and now I'm in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So, kind of span uh, that gamut. Yeah. Um, of course, when I was uh, in third grade, I taught all subjects, but now I'm a math, science, and Bible teacher um, in a private school here in Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I wonder, did, so I took three years off and did not teach for three years. And there's a lot of things that I learned in that job working at a camp that I was able to put back in the classroom. Do you have things that you, you learned, like skills that you developed in your juvenile justice thing that you were like, oh, this definitely is how I put it in the classroom? Absolutely. I think, uh, the biggest thing that it helped me with was being able to see into the lives, into the home lives of children, especially those children who struggle or have behavioral issues, um, might have some type of um, outbursts or that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I have been inside of their homes. I see some of the struggles that they have, and it gave me um, a bigger heart uh, Mm. for them to understand why the behaviors are the way that they are so that I could work with them to kind of guide them in a different direction. So um, I really enjoyed my time with juvenile justice, but glad I'm not there anymore Yeah, Um, and really has helped me in that aspect. I I would agree with that. Like, I, I mean, 10 years ago was when we talked together, right? Mm -hmm. That's a long time ago. And like, you stood out to me in that way. Like there would be times where you're, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just can't. Why is this happening? And you always had an understanding like, okay, you have to realize where they're coming from. Right. You know, and all the things that we don't know that might be behind what tiny little thing was just happening in the, in the classroom. So thank you for giving that example. That's really true in even private education bridges. Cause oh, that's absolutely. So there's sometimes this like, oh, those kids are in public school. But it's even more important to just understand that those kids are everywhere. Absolutely. Kids, kids with so many burdens. And sometimes school's the only safe place they have. Absolutely. And I think we uh, do a disservice to think that broken families don't happen in the public school arena. They do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep an eye out for that as well. Yep. Or private school. Did I say public school? Yeah, we knew what you meant. Okay. <laughs> private school. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so talk to me about what your math experience was as a student. Uh, personally, okay. Well, I was, I never considered myself to be a great math student. When I was thinking uh, through my math experience, I remember vividly being in second or third grade and being placed in the lower class while all of my friends were in the higher class, mm-hmm. so, or what I perceived to be the higher class. Um, and then that was second or third grade. And then I vividly remember being in fourth grade, uh, learning multiplication facts, not learning any strategy about what a multiplication fact was, uh, having to take a quiz, knowing like two of them, getting Mm -hmm. like a 30. And that was not the type of student that I was at all. Uh And just dumbfounded, like, how am I supposed to know what these are? Um, after that, I, I did fairly well in math, but I was never super confident until I remember hitting trigonometry. And then I was just like, it's done. I don't, I don't have a clue. The biggest thing I remember from trigonometry class were all the boys in the class like to hook 
paper clips onto the teacher's belt as he walked by every single day. And we always wondered if he went home, took off his belt and found all these paper clips on there. He must have known what was going on and just allowed it to happen. So that's the only thing I remember from trigonometry. And that was where I kind of capped out. That's funny. Well, that's I think it's interesting that you made it. You know, that's that's a good long ways to make it and still, you know, and still be engaged. I think I made it one more year than that. I made it to pre-calculus mm-hmm. and that's when I you were done. was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We kind of yeah. all have that, don't we? You know, which... I only made it to algebra two. Yeah. 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 I didn't have to go beyond that and yeah, that's but, all I got. But we all know what that feels like, yeah. you know, wherever, wherever your stopping point you was. Your plateau I of understanding. Mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I got, <laughs> I'm at the max. Right. Yeah. Um, you said something about something that I wanted to ask. Oh, is I just wanted to remark on how like we you th- you th- you think as a teacher that your kids don't read into the groupings, but they oh, do. You know, absolutely. As, as early as second grade in mm-hmm. your case, my son Tripp has talked about it in first grade mm-hmm. like um that's just a further little like push towards avoiding that when you can, yeah. you know. It's it's difficult, um but I think um you know, just even in a classroom, it's difficult for students to to not feel that someone knows more math or is smarter. Mm-hmm. And I just really try and do a good job across the board, whether it's in math or the other subjects that I teach, of highlighting that we are all smart mm-hmm. in certain areas and we all have to work harder in certain areas and just really try to ingrain that in the students. Um, mm-hmm. But it is hard. They notice it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that you are a math teacher, what do you think, um, what are some of your strengths as a math teacher? Like, what are some things that you think you do well? Well, I think it's odd, obviously, since math was not my favorite subject to love it so much now. Um, I like to talk about myself as a math nerd quite often, but I think that comes from the fact that I didn't do so well in math when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. When I first started teaching math, I was a a third grade teacher, and I can remember light bulbs coming on as I was getting ready to start teaching some things, let's say maybe start teaching fractions with unlike denominators, and I had to kind of go back and do some research for myself to make sure I was going to teach it right. And then I'd be like, oh, that's why we did this. And so I get it. I got excited about learning it myself which made me excited to teach it to the students and mm-hmm. and to not um, to realize that either maybe I was taught that way and I just forgot or maybe I wasn't taught that way and to get excited that I could teach students a way that they would understand. I know one thing in particular that kind of blew my mind um, when I stumbled upon touch points on numbers hmm. and I had created my own weird touch point system as a kid, oh. it was just dots on a page, not necessarily going with numbers. And when I saw that and I saw that that could be, um, a, you know, a first tool to helping students move towards mastery of facts, it just blew my mind. I'm like, I've been doing that the whole time and now there's a name for it. Yeah. And so just the excitement that um, I get about math and I really try and uh, bring that onto my students as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me, let me stop and say that. So sometimes we stop each other in the middle, and because if someone does has never heard of touch points, if that might be, I, a, are you wondering what touch I, points? I is? actually do know what touch points okay. are. I, my 
my brief stint in elementary school, yeah. I saw I saw that a lot. So do you want to tell us or you want one of us to do it? Sure. I mean, I can delve into it. Please hop in if you guys have a more uh, more to add. But for the most part, with touch points, um, you're really looking at your numbers one through nine. Um, on the one, there is one dot that you would touch. On the two, there would be two dots that you would touch and so on. Um Touch point math is an actual copyrighted math program. Mm-hmm. So you can look that up and, and they've got a lot of different materials and all that you can use with that. Uh, but the basic format is to be able to touch the numbers um, as you are adding, uh, touch the numbers and count up, or as you're subtracting, touch the numbers and count backwards. So mm-hmm. for instance, I would touch a three or I would say the big number three and touch the two four, five, and I would get to the sum of five. Okay. Where I really started using it uh, in the third grade realm was truly to help those students who hadn't mastered their subtraction or addition facts, but uh, transitioning it into multiplication facts, where learning skip counting songs, um, skip counting songs from two, three, four, five, six, not fives, but six, seven, eight, and nine. Mm -hmm. And then once you know those songs, you can use those songs to touch um, a fact if you don't know it. For instance, if I had uh, four times three, I could choose to sing my fours and touch my three. And I would say uh, four, eight, 12, and I can get mm-hmm. the fact. So I think touch points give you a bridge to helping you figure out a fact before you... <laughs> Jay's laughing at me, and I know why. Before you know the facts automatically. Go ahead, Jay. What was it? Bridges gave him a bridge. Yes. I knew that's what that was. Yeah, unfortunately. You bet you've never heard that before. (laughs) Oh, Um, Yeah, I like that. I like how how you brought that in at the end, that... It's not the it's not the way. It's no, a way to get it is you. A way. Yeah, it's a way in the multiple ways that you introduce mm-hmm. multiplication or anything. But it again, going back to my own multi- multiplication experience, I remember sitting there staring at the paper, and I had no strategy for figuring out the facts that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I never want a child to experience that. Use your touch points. Draw out your groupings. Draw an array. You know, whatever it is, they need strategies to figure it out until the facts become automatic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about strengths-wise? Uh, I would say for the most part, just I feel like I do have a fairly um, unique ability to break down complex concepts into simpler parts. I get excited about doing that. I love seeing the kids' eyes light up. I, I love finding tricky ways to get them to figure it out on their own, yeah. that type of thing. Um, so it's it's a joy. Uh, I think finding joy in the teaching of math is a strength. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that. <laughs> for sure. So when you're, I don't know, like for me, I just said algebra two was my highest level of math. So I feel like I am learning new math, especially how what I'm teaching in sixth grade is going to help them in algebra two. Absolutely. Because I sit around with the math teachers that teach the high math at school. And and Tracy and I have often talked about if we could like go back through high school and relearn Mm -hmm. our high school math with what we know now as a teacher, it would just be fun. Absolutely. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, So we feel like this learned something new. I don't know. Like you just got excited about, subtract or 
fractions with regrouping? Is there something else that's, I don't know, something new, maybe it's a process or something that you've incorporated in your class or even that you want to incorporate in your class, you haven't had a chance. Well, I t- completely agree with you on that. When I think about starting out as a third grade math teacher and, and trying to understand the math that the students were going to be going into in fourth grade and fifth grade. Mm -hmm. When I transitioned from being a third grade teacher into being a fifth grade teacher, it was exciting to see those things, the the skills that I had taught them in third grade and where they were showing up in fifth grade. And then there was a new learning curve for me. I hadn't taught fifth grade math before. And now, um, actually this summer, I'm doing a lot of tutoring. I have rising fifth through eighth graders that I'm tutoring. So I'm having to (laughs) remember and reteach some skills but that's exciting because obviously the the deeper that I understand the concepts that are ahead are going to help me uh, teach them better at the the fifth grade level mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, uh, pulling from some of your past podcasts, I recently tried to use the um, the multiplication uh, of integers little analogy that you brought up: love what you love and hate what you hate, and love to hate and hate to love. Right? I was yeah. so excited. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to use this with one of my tutorees. Yeah, it made complete sense to me. And uh, actually, it's one of those situations where you think you've got it, and then it kind of bombs out on you. <laughs> she had a hard time. I would say, like, is it good to love to hate hate? And she'd be like. Uh, I don't know. And I'm like <laughs> trying to explain it to That's her. So <laughs> it's exactly. So while I love that analogy and I'm still going to continue to use it, um, it was fun to hear something that you guys were using and knowing you were a sixth grade teacher, bring that in. Because in fifth grade, we don't do multiplication and uh, division of integers. We just do subtraction and addition. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Well, you kind of answered our, your question about tutoring. Ruth, did you have anything you wanted to say about your, you've been tutoring some? Uh, right. I haven't now. gotten to tutor this summer as much as I have in the past. But last summer, I was tutoring algebra, like entering algebra students and preparing to take my math praxis so I could graduate with my master's. So last summer, I learned so much math. In fact, this week at the beach, my husband told the server that I was like a sixth grade math teacher. And he's like, oh, yeah, do you know the quadratic equation? <laughs> <laughs> what a funny thing. So what'd you say? <laughs> um, I was like, oh, I we just it. talked about it, right? On yeah, our run. Yeah. And I was, I started it like plus or minus. And he just like rattled it off in a song. He's like, I hate my algebra one teacher. She sang uh-huh. it to me and I can't get it out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> That's then, funny. You know, then I said, well, do you know why it works? And he's like, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, do you, let's see, do you have any, I know, so you've been listening to the podcast recently, which is fun. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just fun to hear somebody benefit from it, you know? Absolutely. um, Do you have any other takeaways or things that you're going to try to incorporate? Well, it's been exciting to, I I think I might've known you were doing a podcast, but then one of your recent episodes popped up on my Facebook feed and I was like, I'm going to listen to this because when I'm getting ready in the morning in my bathroom, I like to sit up on my bathroom counter and because I get closest to my mirror and I always (laughs) like to listen to a podcast of some sort. Uh And I was like, well, I'm going to start listening to Math Before Breakfast. And then I was hooked. You know how in the summer, sometimes you need a brain break from all things teaching. And then you start, you know, getting back into it a little bit as the school 
all your approaches. And we don't know how to do that here <laughs> in the Boston household. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, my goodness. All I could do was think math. I was listening to you on my perch in the bathroom. I was listening to you in the car as I'm driving around. And so you all really helped me start getting excited just about teaching and the upcoming school year. And so it's been fun. And many and- times I'm in the wings agreeing with you. Yes, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And there's times where you will pose a problem uh, and I'll be like, oh, like I'm raising my hand. I know, <laughs> I know, I know how I can help you with that. Um, that's awesome. So I was really excited to be a part of this. Yeah. But the the things uh, that I've certainly learned so far uh, most from your podcast, number one, it's just helped me um, connect again with like-minded math teachers. Mm. I love my coworkers. I get along so well with them, but we're a smaller school. And so I'm the only person who teaches fifth grade math. Right. And mm. the the teachers who teach sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade math, our planning times are often not the same. Um, and we don't get a lot of math talk at school. And I miss that. I, I crave that. So yeah. I enjoy just hearing it and being able to join in on that conversation. I also love the resources. The books that you guys have been reading and talking about got me excited about buying and purchasing one of those. Actually, yeah, you did. was telling you I purchased the Making Math Talks Matter, and it should be in the mail tomorrow. I'm Yay! hoping it will be. But often I crave that type of professional development. But there's so many things out there that, you know, you can pick up a dud and pay, pay a lot of money. So I yeah. appreciate what you guys have been doing and making recommendations on those resources. That's been helpful. Um, not to mention, uh, just because of Math Before Breakfast, Tracy, you and I have been talking about uh, professional development opportunities yeah. and just getting tapped back in uh, to that th- type of thing has been wonderful. I do, um, you talked about David Petro, I believe it was the yeah, other day. Yeah, and, Petro uh, maybe. Petro yeah. and the different math podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to to check out something different. Yeah. Um, and uh Oh, the one thing I know for sure that I'm going to use in my classroom this year was the using the American cheese slice to <gasps> show decimals oh, of a whole. Cut the I cheese. was like, cut the cheese. <laughs> that, because it is difficult when they start thinking about tenths yeah. and especially hundredths. And I can't wait to see some of them try and chop up those little pieces mm-hmm. into, you know. Right. I was telling them that I get to pick their... Like, I'm going to know at the end of class who's going to be a surgeon. Uh huh. Who's going to be allowed to cut on me when I'm old and yeah. need help. And even um, just when we started, you know, I'd pose the question of integers to you guys. And uh, just you talking about just the, you know, thinking of having a number line per se in front of them and having them step one way, step back the other way as representing that zero pair. All of a sudden I was just like, whoa, that, that makes sense. It's yeah. so often those things that uh, once you hear them may seem like common sense, but it's just not registering until you hear it. So yeah. those little nuggets, I keep a, a notebook in my car. And when you guys say something <laughs> that I want to use, a nugget notebook. <laughs> I scribble it That's to awesome. the side. So. so so, you're not the only person that I've heard say that this is valuable for them because they're the only person who teaches, you know, what they teach. And I've, I've heard that before. A lot of people are blessed with really great teams mm-hmm. and, you know, teams that are even already talking about all this. But, you know, that that is 
true that I think if you don't have that, then here's some people that are kind of having some of the same mm-hmm. conversations. I have to I have to confess that we met yesterday for coffee, yes, <laughs> Bridges and I, to catch up <laughs> on life, not just math. Right. Um, and you, I th- you thought you asked a good question, like, where else can I go to look? And so I thought it'd be good to say some of those other answers. Mm-hmm. You know, she asked, where can where else can I go for professional development? Um, so I guess what, Ruth? I got her to sign up for Twitter. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I've awesome. never That's, been a tweeter. Yeah. So uh, you don't know. It have to be a tweeter. It's just an amazing search engine to find other math teachers who somehow have time to not just teach it, but blog about it. Yeah. Because I can talk about it, but I don't have time to sit down and write about it. Yeah. In a way that people would want to read it. I was, I was Tracy telling should blog because she's a really good writer, but uh, that we do this instead for now. Um, but I think I was telling you that Jer, I don't know who I was telling, but that, um, I tell people over and over and over, you need to join Twitter. Mm-hmm. You need to join Twitter. And everybody's like, nah, nah, you oh, know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like you're one of the first people that's like, okay, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> it works. So I sent her a list of, um, people that I, you know, recommended to follow and hopefully you, I think I you followed already, them all last night. Yeah. That's awesome. I Maybe saw, that's something else we can put on our website. Yeah. yeah a list of, of mm-hmm. good math people to yep. recommended to, tweeters. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I kind of did, I will, I will probably expand my list before I do that. Cause I did kind of think specifically mm-hmm. about knowing that you were a fifth grade teacher and gotcha. you know, um, but yeah. And there are other people's lists out there. Margie Pierce has a great list okay. of 200 people already. Well, heck, let's just point to someone I, else's list. I think so too. Mine, mine, hers was more inclusive, which I think is um, important of gra- different grade levels and right. stuff. Um, so I, I'll, I will point you towards that one because I think it's strong. Um, well, and for everyone out there who's hesitant to to join Twitter because yeah. I was one of those. It is completely just for math. I'm avoiding all yeah. social things, all political <laughs> things. So don't try to talk yeah. to her. So, She's not and one I'm, to talk even to Even my name on Twitter is incognito. You'd have <laughs> yeah. a hard time finding That's me. That's right. Yep. <laughs> but uh, Tracy convinced me of the value of that resource. So. Yeah. So another thing that I shared with Bridges was the Virtual Math Summit. So this Virtual Math Summit is um, an online math conference by Christina Tondevold and who is um, who does Build Math Minds. And she has put together just this humongous group of um, teachers and speakers and people who will do a presentation it's on it's everything's online so you can do it from the pool side or in your on couch or whatever and i think you get on facebook and they are live you can watch them live and participate in the chat or through like from july 29th to august 1st you can go in and watch any that have already been broadcasted um and so during those days you can have full access to any of those speakers after that you can pay for access and i have a uh, my next door neighbor emily actually paid for it and watched several of those things throughout the year um but you know july 29th through august 1st it is legit free um you get a lot of emails from her if you sign up (laughs) i like free yeah um but that's a, a you know a way that you can hear speakers that we'd have to go to DC or Boston or somewhere else to hear. So that's a good, um, that's great. Thank you. And then the other thing was, you know, certainly there's the NCTM national council teacher of mathematics conferences, but it's a humongous investment in time and, and money to go to those conferences. So each state probably, I mean, I know our state and many, many states have their own conference that you, and ours is going to be in the, um, spring in Virginia, but each state has their own. But then 
even more than that, most states also have like local chapters of that. So that would be a good place to look wherever you might be um, to see if, you know, a region close to you has mm-hmm. their own. Because our Blue Ridge one, um, which is in Roanoke, Ruth, I don't even know if we've talked about this. They're, they have a, a like a one day conference in October and it's 30 bucks to attend. It's on a Monday. And that's a that's a low investment, yes. you know. Um, so. It's another place to to sort of search out, go into to your states um, and NCTM, and then see if you can dig down. So that was a long-winded answer to your answer, but I thought other people who might be in oh. your boat and mm-hmm. not know where to look might help. Right. Ruth, is it your turn to ask a question? Um, so um, I don't know. The next one says, let's talk about the challenges that you have in your classroom with instruction. Yeah. And I'm having a sneaky suspicion that they're going to be some of the same challenges <laughs> that we have in our class. Because sometimes when I feel like Tracy and I are on there, we don't take enough time to say, this is hard. You know, we don't have all of the answers. This is hard. There's lots of times where, well, just this last year, you have, like, I have to say, that was a horrible lesson. I was even being observed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it was a horrible lesson. And I just shut the door and was like, we've got to start over. Right. (laughs) Because I had an objective, but I did not get you there. And I'm really sorry. So I don't know. I guess I'm curious what your challenges are. I definitely can feel your pain in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a challenge, but I think we have to be okay with that challenge. We have to understand, convince ourselves that we don't have all the answers. And sometimes a lesson is going to uh, be presented beautifully and the kids, the light bulbs are going to flash and halos are going to, you know, (laughs) be over their heads and (laughs) angels will be singing. And then there are times it's going to flop. And I think it's okay for it to flop, but I do think that we have a responsibility as their teachers to really recognize when it does flop and just say, hey, it flopped. We're going to do this again tomorrow and then just regroup, speak with our peers who can help us twist it in a different way. Yeah. And and I think they learn a lot from that, plus just showing them the humility of the teacher. I think that goes a long way mm-hmm. as well. Um, the other thing, and I'll... And I'll uh, pull back to one of your episodes. I can't remember which one, but it was the last one you, uh, 15 maybe, where you had a guest. Was it Hannah? Yeah, Hannah. So, and I remember her talking about um, a student, uh, a bright student who uh, was difficult to challenge. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was listening to that, I I could understand um, where she was coming from, but there was a part of me that thought, is it her job to challenge him when he's not really leaning into it? Um, sometimes I think we take so much onto ourselves and blame ourselves if we can't um, meet every single little need that's in front of us. And sometimes I think we have to put that ball in the student's court. You know, I think about a certain uh, bright, a bright student that I've had in my class before, and she always was participatory in the things that we did. And then when she would be finished, she would find ways to challenge herself or ask me another question mm. or seek out something. And so she was developing into a lifelong learner versus wanting to be spoon fed extra challenges. Yeah. And yeah. so I think there's a balance to that, um, something to ask ourselves and not feel guilty about if we can't meet every need yeah. that's there. 
I think I I guess the like the draw is what could we do to get that kid in Ruth's class to be more like that? You know, like what, you know, how, how can you make them want it? Mm -hmm. You know, but you're right. You can't, there comes a point where the student has to Mm -hmm. make some steps in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Were you going to add something, Ruth? No, I was just confirming that that's your goal. Your goal is to say, how can we, um, make him want to learn, but there were many times that I had the extra challenges and this is what you get to do when you're finished. And this is that low floor, high ceiling task. And I had students who would just stop. Like they just didn't have a desire to Mm -hmm. keep going. And um, I did beat myself up for those kids. And then I got their sibling the very next year and she was completely different. She had the, you know, she said, Oh, my brother said that you always have something to do when you're done. And you always have hard questions. I hope I get to answer all the hard questions. Oh, love it. <laughs> it really sometimes is just, and I mean, in fifth and sixth grade, their bodies are headed into mm-hmm. puberty and they have so many things going on that don't necessarily have to do with math and mm. fractions. And sometimes Preach. it's just survival, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like we feed them and give them those opportunities to be lifelong learners and sometimes they take it and sometimes it takes them a little longer to get there right so we're planting seeds and don't beat yourself up if it doesn't happen yeah (laughs) jay and i are making eyeballs at each other because we're thinking about yeah that sixth grade happening in our house (laughs) and like yeah gosh i'm scared y'all i'm 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 trying not to be but i am i am i am nervous about yeah tracy i have told this story to so many parents about trace when he was in sixth grade guy was ready to have him tested for special ed because something had to be wrong with him (laughs) (laughs) in seventh grade was worse Mm -hmm. and then finally in eighth grade he just started to figure out you know what kind of a notebook and what kind of notes he wanted to take instead of me micromanaging everything but man when he was in my class in sixth grade he would do his homework and put it in his little folder called math and then he'd get to class and not have it Oh, yeah. How, how do you not have it? <laughs> and everyone in the class is like, oh, Miss Lee's son doesn't have her homework. She's going to get upset. You know? Just, I don't oh, even, I still, I don't know kid. what happened to this homework. I sure hope Trace, who's what, 22 now, gets yeah. to uh, gets to listen to this and enjoys it. Yeah. I'll tell him. He's, yeah. I don't think he listens to all these podcasts. He said every now and then he'll pick one and listen That's to. That's funny. Can I tell an embarrassing kid story since we're on the on the on the route Please. there? Absolutely. Yeah. So we went to the um, doctor this week because you have to get like you know your checkups and stuff when you're going into sixth grade and all those uh, immunizations or whatever. And you know how the doctor is like asking kind of loaded questions to the kid to you know they're they want to know that information, but then they're watching for all kinds of other things too. Yeah. And the doctor goes, "So what do you what are your hobbies? What do you do when you're not at school?" And she was like, mm, "Well, screens." And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my word. <laughs> and, and the next thought I thought about you, Ruth, because I remember, you know, we're like 10 years, you're 10 years ahead of me, right? And I remember being at the pool one time with you and you were like, Trace has no interests. He is not interested in anything. He is, he doesn't want to do anything. And I'm like, maybe that's her. Maybe she's going to, it's just going to take her a while to figure out 
I think she does have interest. I think she has a hard time answering questions when people ask her stuff like that. And and thinking about it, because when somebody asks me what my hobby is, I don't know, doing a podcast with my wife. That's a, I mean, I don't don't have a good answer for what are my, my hobbies. Yeah. Well, anyway, you gave me a little a little um, hope there, Ruth. With well, it makes you feel good. I have one of those at home right now too. Who yeah. does nothing? Yeah, I'm like okay. Well, you- there's a little hope mm-hmm. because my not interested in anything son came to the beach with us this weekend, brought his girlfriend, and we ended up going to this body exhibit in Myrtle Beach. Oh, what the heck is a body exhibit? So you need to just Google it, but. It's these bodies. People have donated their bodies to science Whoa. and they have, um, I don't even know what the word is. Are these the ones that are preserved and then like, yes, you, they've like preserved sliced them? them in these shapes. This is a basketball player. And so you see him dribbling the ball. He doesn't have any skin. You see every muscle. What? No and way. And is like, oh, look, you can see the Achilles tendon on that one has been cut. And look at the, um, hip muscles over here and if you ever had your full hip replacement that's the bone i mean it was just it was cool but it was so cool to be with him because he had studied all of those muscles and could point out so many things yeah remind me what what the name of his degree is uh forensic science okay yeah cool yeah so he's um he wants to do that like dissect bodies and figure out what diseases like he was able to look at the brain that was there and explain what happened in mom's brain with gray matter and white matter and wow alzheimer's and all that kind of stuff so just let him get through middle school yeah yeah just be there you know you still have to be their parent and make them do their homework and all those things that you're like you what you didn't do that (laughs) but (laughs) so they're going to grow up to be good citizens. <laughs> awesome. All right. We digress, but it was a good digression. Yeah. Um, so do you have a, a goal for next year that you've been thinking about, Bridges? Well, I would say definitely my first goal would be to be more intentional about pursuing professional development that mm. is math oriented. Okay. Um. I have not done that in the past couple of years. Uh, this is just, this will be my third year teaching fifth grade. So, of course, the first year you're just trying to figure out where you are. Mm-hmm. The second year you're like, hey, I got this. I understand what's going on. And so now I'm ready to tweak things yeah. and, and, and bring some more things in. And, of course, uh, doing this uh, with you all and then understanding the resources that are out there, I'm more excited about um, expanding my repertoire yeah. of all things math uh, for sure. And um, I definitely think that, when I think back to tutoring this summer, and and I've seen this before, but I've really noticed um, students who try to solve a problem and they go around the block to solve the problem. And every part of me wants to be like, no, 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 do this way because it's going to be faster and it's going to be more effective and you're going to enjoy. But I have stepped back and I allow them to follow that rabbit trail because eventually they get to the answer. Mm-hmm. And I can just see that developmentally or um, maybe with prerequisite skills or whatever, they're just not there yet. Yeah. And so allowing them to go in that direction um, 
having a discussion with them, highlight those strong points and then say, that is really great. Let me show you another way Mm -hmm. that you can do it. It might be a little bit faster or it might, um, you know, bring out a different skill. I just want you to know that there's multiple ways that this can be done. So um, encouraging that in students and not feeling so much pushback in myself that, oh, my goodness, no, 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 don't do it that way. It's going to take you forever. Yeah. Um, I know that, but I just kind of sense that a little bit more after tutoring a few students this summer. That's awesome. And then, you know, when, so it's one thing when you're in the class, when you're in tutoring with one kid, you know, you're the only other voice that's there, but in the classroom, you can let that kid take that rabbit trail and then see any, ask, open up to the kids, anybody else see any other ways, you know, and let them be the one who shares it. That's, and I do that, uh, you know, who sees another way to do this? Mm-hmm. Who sees another way to that we can accomplish that? And we write all the ways up on the board. I do think I want to be more intentional with that as well. And even maybe just incorporating a few more, you know, kind of think pair shares with the kids before they answer so that yeah. even the uh, the students that don't have um, as many skills with that particular concept can hear what their friends are saying and then be confident to raise their hand and offer a strategy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Making Number Talks Matter book that you got mm-hmm. will help that a lot. And, and you know, they'll learn strategies from each other, but then it'll create kind of can affect the whole classroom culture mm-hmm. of sharing. So, Absolutely. I'm excited to see how you inc- can incorporate that. Where are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm just excited, too. And I don't feel like I can say it because you say it. Ah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we can all be excited, ladies. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Your turn. Um, well, we talked about our goals, so maybe we can talk about integers because I have, I don't remember if we talked about football on an episode. Do you, you remember? Did. If- you did talk okay. about the football field, taking them out to the football field and having them turn one way there. You could re- recap that. I remember you talking about it, but then I also remember you telling me you would talk about it. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. I, we head down to the football field and I renumber the lines. So we stand at the 50 yard line and that's zero. And everyone stands and faces me. 50's in the middle, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I looked at Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me nervous. I felt like I knew what I was talking about. So we stand on the zero and then to the right are positive numbers and to the right are negative and I to the give left. Them, you said right twice. To the left, sorry. Um, I give them problems really slow so that they have to physically turn their body. So we might say five and everyone runs to the five yard line and you stop. And then I say plus and everyone turns positive. And then I say negative 10 And anytime you hear the word negative, it means turn around and run the opposite way. So if you're standing towards the positive side, if you're standing like you're going to run to the right and I say negative 10, you have to turn completely around and run the opposite way. So we were talking about the problem that is sometimes hard for a student is like negative five minus 10. Right. Right. So you would. I would just say negative five. I wouldn't give them the whole problem in the beginning and they would run to negative five. And then I would say minus and they would turn as if they were going to run to the left. And then I would say 10 and they would run 10 yards that direction. 
where if I said negative five minus negative 10, they would be facing that minus way and have to turn and go the opposite direction. So it takes them, I mean, I use the whole class time and we go really slow. Sometimes it's just, where would you go from this point if I said negative 10 and they would have to turn and go the opposite way. It doesn't matter where they're standing. If it's a negative, you have to turn and go the opposite way. And if they can understand that, then when they come into the classroom, they have little army men and they have the number lines on their desk and we do that same thing. Um, turning and running the opposite direction when you are, when you have a negative number. Um, so I also, go ahead. The only point of confusion I have is, so if I'm doing a negative two minus three, mm -hmm. I'm going to get a negative five. So I'm running the opposite way. No, you're at negative two. You're already facing the, the negative end zone. And right. I say minus, and that means you face the negative way. So you're and already facing negative. I'm already, okay. But and she you said go minus three a negative three, she, negative right. would make them turn around. Right. Okay. So you have two, you have the location that you run to. And then when I say plus or minus, that gives you a turn. Gotcha. And then when I say negative, or positive mm, okay. that gives you another turn or just a way to go. Okay. Um, the other thing that I really like that I haven't used in the classroom that I'm going to is Desmos has a hot air balloon yeah. and sandbag activity. Mm -hmm. And that helps them understand the relationship between the horizontal number line and the negative or the vertical number line. So positive five would send the balloon up five. But if you, um, but, well, let's see. Add sandbags. If you add sandbags, it's going to bring it down. And if you take sandbags off, it's going to send it up. Have you used that before? I haven't used it, but I actually saw it. Yeah. So yeah. I need to explore that a little bit more. Can, can we go back to the number line one for a second? I, I didn't yes. know you were moving on so fast. I just want to say that in um, last summer, my I was doing this in one of my classes in my at VCU and our teacher made us made a distinction between minus like subtraction and then the negative and she made us we had to model it we weren't modeling it physically like walking we were drawing like a little person and mm -hmm. and she made us one and I'm going to I'm mad at myself for not knowing this but one of them was turn around and one of them meant walk backwards like she oh. she had a difference be, in in the way that she modeled it between because you're saying to me anytime you see the minus sign whether it means minus or neg like subtract or negative you're going to make a turn not necessarily mm -hmm. that's not what she said oh if you're already walking towards the the minus the negative end zone and she says minus you don't turn around because you're already facing the minus direction you only turn around if she says negative. So if I'm looking to the minus direction and she says minus three, I go three in that direction because mm -hmm. I'm already looking the minus direction. If she says minus negative three, that's when I turn around because the negative is what made him switch. Hmm. Is that right, Ruth? Mm -hmm. It is, but I would never, in that situation, I wouldn't say minus three. I would, I would say negative five. And they would walk there and they would turn and face me and not have a location. 
So not have a direction, not have a direction. Yes. So they're at negative five. And then I would say minus and they would turn. Gotcha. Minus. And then I would say three and they would walk that way. But if it was negative five, they would walk to five and look at me and I would say minus and they would face to the left. And then I would say negative three and they would have to turn the opposite direction. Okay. So I think my professor, when we got there, wanted us to walk backwards, to walk backwards. That makes sense. If, if like negative three, you walked backwards three and just positive. So she wants you to face the minus direction, face to the left. And then she would want you to walk back three, which really would be sending you to the right. So that would work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's probably what she had you do. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're consistent, I don't think it matters. I don't know a difference, you know? Um, but you, like, if you're going to teach it, if you're going to model it that way, just think about which way you're going to go first. Yeah. Okay. So you said sandbags. What else were you going to, and using the Desmos thing. Right. The Desmos. And then I just found Sarah Carter, man, she has so many good things. She's on Twitter. Um, but she has these integer puzzles that if I was not at the beach and had all of my stuff out beside me, I would be able to explain them. So I'm just <laughs> going to leave it there. <laughs> Sarah Carter has some really cool integer puzzles that I would, I see myself using in differentiated groups because sometimes when I take the kids to the football field and I introduce them to integers and then we use Desmos, some of them have it. And they need something to challenge them when others just need more practice. This is one of those things where you have a task and you teach it. But then some of them just really need time to practice and they need you there to watch them practice. So they're practicing correctly. So Sarah Carter's puzzles would be able to fill those in for me. I'm excited to I was excited to find them and then use them. Yeah, I'd like to see those. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Hold on. Um. And another thing that I saw that really helps my students is when they have to write integer stories. So like that negative three minus seven, they would have to say, I owe $3 and I lost seven. Now I have to find $10 somewhere. That whole thing of understanding the plus and the negative. And when you get into multiplying and dividing integers, those stories are going to be really important too. But to help them identify what what that is, because in integers is something that's in in real life so much, you know, if we can help them write those stories. So what are some things that you have tried that have worked or not worked? And what are some of the holes that you still want to fill? We probably should have asked, started with this question, but that's okay. <laughs> well, when I, there was a, a skill and I'll, I'll explain it in just a second. There was a skill that I, I picked up from at, at New Covenant where I teach, we use the Saxon math program. So in the Saxon math book, there was a skill and I'll explain kind of how, um, how they present it. I've tweaked it just a little bit and just added in a few things that actually you guys have been talking about, trying to think it through for the next year. Mm-hmm. I thought the way that I explained it this year, the kids actually seemed to get it fairly well. And as the, the problems came up the rest of the year, I didn't see a lot of holes. Where I was seeing holes and what made me think, what, are we, what, what can we do with this integer um, problem 
was in my tutoring students who oh, were no. still, you know, we've got some rising eighth graders who still get confused on, you know, a negative three um, minus an eight and, and even still struggling to figure out how to represent that on a number line. Yeah. And so having to take that backwards. But so the strategy and I hope I can explain it somewhat without you guys looking. Mm-hmm. The strategy is to uh, tell them that they're getting ready to play a video game. And I'm going to call it like integer blast or something like that. Okay. So you start out uh, giving them a, a a TV screen. And so this is where I'm kind of pulling up a PowerPoint or something like that. I did it very um, just paper and pencil this year because mm-hmm. that's what I had. But And so you start out on the TV screen that there are pluses and minuses just all over the screen. This is level one. And after you've taught them about zero pairs... Um, then you go through and you blast off all of the zero pairs. Your, your your job is to get rid of, you know, a plus minus, a plus minus, a plus minus. Mm-hmm. And so eventually you're left with either two positives or two negatives or whatever is left. So you get them to practice that a couple times. And then you move to level two of your game. And so on your TV screen, instead of the pluses and minuses, you will have um, maybe a plus two and a plus three and a, a minus one and a minus six. Mm-hmm. And so your goal is to combine forces. It's, you know, the minuses are against the pluses. You have to combine forces. And I can't remember what I just said, but of course you would combine the, the what I say, negative six and negative one, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You combine all the negatives, you combine all the positives, and then you have to use that skill that you've already used to um, get rid of the zero pairs. And huh. with that... I can't remember where I saw it just recently, um, was let's say that I have um, a negative three um, plus four. Drawing out three negatives, putting four positives lined up underneath, Mm -hmm. crossing Mm -hmm. out the zero pairs and being left with one positive there, helping them see that they can still model that even when we've transitioned into the numbers. Um, so after they pass, practice that a couple of times and they, and they pass level two, then we move to um, level three, where the thought is you get rid of the disguises that are going to pop up when you're dealing with your negatives. So um, for instance, you talk about examples of positives. If I have a a four, well, that that's a positive. So it's in disguise because there's no plus there. If I have, sometimes you see in problems a plus plus one, well, recognizing that is still just a plus, a positive one, mm. or a negative negative two is still a positive two. Or we also sometimes will see a parenthesis. So maybe I'll see negative parenthesis negative three. And so we call those shields. You've got to get rid of the shield because really all that is is a negative negative three, which is a positive, helping them see those um, things that come about that confuse you and yeah. turn them into what they actually are. Um, examples of negatives, of course, would be if you see a negative positive, well, that's a negative, positive negative is a negative, and then you could have shields around those as well. So then once you practice getting rid of the shields, Then you go back to combining your forces, and then you go back to getting rid of your zero pairs. And then the very last step, level four, um, if you can pass and get to that point in the video game, then you um, remove the screen. 
the screen is gone, and then you look more at an algorithm, and they mm -hmm. have to practice um, getting rid of the disguises, combining the pairs, uh, the forces, and then getting rid of the um, zero pairs as well. So I know that's a little harder to conceptualize without kind of seeing it on a screen. Apologize. And that's kind of what I'm working at. If I come up with, I will work on kind of a PowerPoint once I do, I'm, I'll certainly share it with yeah. you to add to the notes to kind cool. of give some uh, visualization to what's going on there. But they had a, a lot of fun. We would even, you know, zapping our zero pairs, we'd be like, pew, pew, getting rid of them and, and that type of cool. thing. But once we did that and they could see, especially with those disguises, what's a negative negative mean? And a lot of the kids, once we did that, they had it. Yeah. So it's taking the bridge. I would love to add in what Ruth was talking about. Start out at the football field. Start out with the, the Army men and then go mm -hmm. kind of the video game route and let them see yeah. both ways. And, of course, the number line method as well. So right. just another and those, tool. When you were talking about um, drawing your positives and your negatives and making zero pairs, that's what I use the red and yellow chips right. for. Yeah. Right. Um, they line those up in right. two rows. and. That's where the subtraction is a little bit harder for them to understand. But once they grasp that, so when we did like three um, or negative three minus seven, using your pairs on there, you would start with negative three. So you would have three reds. Well, then it says take away seven yellows. And that's where the student gets really frustrated with how do you do that? So we start with zero on our desk. And I, typically I have them make zero with at least a dozen zero pairs, the red and yellows together. And now when I have the problem, negative three, you put down your three reds, minus seven, you take off those seven yellows and you're left with 10 reds. So when you start with more zero pairs, when mm -hmm. you start with zero represented, with numerous zero pairs, then you can actually use those red and yellow discs the way they were intended. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Do you ever present it as um, a, a negative three minus seven actually being a negative three plus a negative seven? Um, I have not because I start at the basic, like I feel like that's the next step. So that's what I want the students to say to me. Right. Mrs. E, isn't this the same as just adding it? Absolutely. Right. You've got it. And in sixth grade, well, it's changing. So I'm going to say until this year, I was only, they were supposed to be introduced to integers, ordering them, comparing them, not even adding and subtracting. But I put addition and subtraction in my objectives so that when I got to fractions and decimals, I could challenge my um, higher thinkers with adding and subtracting rational numbers. Right. So this year I'm going to do more and I probably will get to the point where I will show them that, but hopefully someone else in the class will show it to mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So, so the important thing that I'm hearing from you guys is that there are multiple models for this. Thank goodness. Right. Cause it's a hard thing. It's so a hard concept. There's the number line model. There's the zero pair plus and minus, whether you're doing it with chips or writing the plus and minus. There's the sandbags, which 
kind of feels like a combo of the two somehow, mm-hmm. you know, and we probably haven't even mentioned all of them. I mean, there might be others that I'm just not thinking of right now. But the point is, you got to start there instead of starting with the algorithms. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir here. I've realized that. But like, but also don't do just one. Right. Because clearly one is going to work better for you than another but that's not going to be the same in the classroom. Right, exactly. And then how how awesome is it to learn both models and then either have them do a problem, represent a problem with both models, or have everybody do whichever one you want to do and then meet together with somebody who used the other one and see if you can find those connections in between your right. two models. You know, that's where the real math, the, yeah. the learning and the, and the cementing of the idea comes from so try them all i think i agree right. yeah good stuff anything else anybody wanted to add i don't think so i think that's my takeaway because i have to do way more with integers yeah this year than i have in the past and it's going to be really hard to not just jump right in and say oh just change your negative signs to positive signs or yeah the minus make it plus negative yeah. I want them to come up with it. It's going to be hard to not just say that in that, the beginning. That's what my whole class I'm in right now. I've just started my algebra class for the next three weeks and then I'm done. What? what? Mm-hmm. But that's what the whole class is about. I'm realizing from the book that I'm, um, that I've just started is having kids notice something and then you like real helping them realize what you've just made is a conjecture. How can we, know that that's true and then use it like naming it but going back to your imp- making the implicit explicit um they like all, nearly said that in the book jj so you should feel like you're on the right track <laughs> thank you dr Suchinsky. yeah oh <laughs> whoever that was yeah but so maybe i'll have some more to add to that ruth because that's what we're that's what this book is about in algebra that i'm learning right now so that's cool. Our reading right now. So bef- we usually end with takeaways, as right. you know. Before we do that, is there anything else you wanted us to ask about that we didn't ask you about? <laughs> I don't think so. I didn't okay. have really an agenda. Okay. I was here for the math talk and just Yay. a little bit of uh, math camaraderie. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, hi, Mike. All right. <laughs> that was cool. He's really left out. Yeah. We we do, even though this is a podcast, we do have a, Jay has set up a really sweet monitor and and webcam and Ruth's like super big over there. So anyway, so Mike was saying hi. All right. Awkward. Um, so takeaways. Do, Ruth's already said hers, right? You've, you're done? I did mine. Okay. Yeah. So do you have a takeaway, Bridges, or I can come back to you if no, you're not ready? I have a takeaway. I mean, okay. I, I love just how we were talking about the different in, in, integer strategies. And my takeaway is to really start incorporating more of those, find a way to in, um, introduce integers using all of those models. And I want to try it out on my tutorees. Oh, good. Uh, I'm going to the beach next week, so I'll be in your shoes but then the next week, I still am with them. So I might just spend the whole session with them going through them and really cementing that because I can tell as the rising eighth graders, they still don't have it. Mm-hmm. And so that would be a good opportunity for us to try some of these out and see what clicks for them. So yeah. my takeaway will be to to try it out. Good. Let us know. Yeah, Report I back. I certainly will. And then you can tweet about it. I could. That would be a great thing to tweet about. <laughs> You'll have to show me how. Okay. No. <laughs> Jay, you have a takeaway? You've I been am, very quiet today. I have. 
I I was an algorithm learner. Yeah. I was taught through algorithms and I learned just fine that way. And so like sometimes I kind of get overwhelmed by all the different ways you guys talk about. Mm-hmm. Like today was one of those. Yeah. I kind of zoned out lost. because there are so many minuses and pluses and negatives and positives. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm getting lost now. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So it, it is for me, I'd never, I guess, appreciated how many different ways of, you know, getting to these concepts and getting these ideas. And I say I was taught only through algorithms. I had excellent math teachers. So I'm sure they did use um, some of these, some of these ideas and concepts or ways to teach it that I just don't remember. Cause once I learned the algorithm, that's what I latched onto. And that's yeah. what I remembered. Um, I do remember later on teach, teachers teaching us through different ways to like, and I was like, just stop it. Just teach me the formula. I don't care. I want the formula so I can know You're how to do it. Kid. And yeah. you didn't and want to know where the formula came from. God, I didn't care. <laughs> it's like, it's, if, if, if I can make it work and get the answer out of the other end, you know, sometimes it would, like that light would come on like, oh, okay, I do get it. But I didn't, I didn't have a hard time usually understanding the concept. So I didn't need the, the methods or the, you know, the, mm-hmm. that stuff. So I have more appreciation for what, you know, teachers, students, you know, all the, the people that don't, that didn't get it the same way I did. So, you know. Yeah. Awesome. I think my takeaway is something not necessarily, kind of from the podcast, but kind of not. Um, I've had a lot more time to be on Twitter because it's the summer, right? And I can kind of get in this like, oh my gosh, there are so many things that I'm not doing right. And so, yeah, somebody somebody tweeted a, re- a reply to you, um, Bridges, about um, this is Kelly Dark, maybe. Um, not sure how to say that. She says, have fun exploring all the wonderful resources Twitter has to offer. Something that's helpful for her when she gets overwhelmed is saying, I can do anything, just not everything. And, Absolutely, and like I, I was in, I was in that zone today. Like, oh my gosh, everything I'm reading here. How do I incorporate all of it? Mike is being so distracting. <laughs> um, and you know, we've talked a lot about even Ruth and I've talked about that. We've read so many books. It's like, oh my gosh, how are we going to put all this in there? Right. You pick one thing. Pick one pick thing. One or two things, and and go get that, and then. Then try the next thing. Absolutely, so I'm preaching that to myself because mm-hmm. I was feeling a little bit that, and that was my mood this week. I was saying that to myself as I was preparing to come and talk to y'all. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm so excited about all the things I'm learning. Yeah, were you going to add something, Jay? I was going to say I just there's a, a book I haven't didn't read it, but I found it today. It's something I think I'm going to get, and she refers to it as small teaching, and that's what she's talking about is picking little things and addressing that and then dressing another little thing instead mm-hmm. of attacking the whole thing. And so her, her, she, I don't know if she coined the phrase, but it, it was called small teaching did, huh. and, and what I was talking about. And it was, I thought it was interesting. So I, I just saw that. Today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I really wanted to say was, um, we've added some stuff to the website. Yes. Tell us all about it. We have, um, put up an episode list. So instead of having to go down to the bottom of the page and click, previous episodes 40 times to get to the, well, not 40 times because there are only 36 episodes, Yeah. but back, 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 back. There is an episode list now that you click on and you, it gives you all of them in chronological order. You can, you know, scroll through and the date on which they nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can pick that. The reading list has been updated with the mm-hmm. summer reading books. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so there's the, the standard reading list plus the ones we've covered this summer. Um, 
the link for the t-shirt is always up there yeah. and there uh, a new little section uh information about us some people had said they had a, you know had a hard time finding how to contact us specific or individuals of yeah. us um so there's now some contact information and stuff um, does it say that ruth doesn't know anything about hamilton in my bio oh, burn <laughs> no it doesn't say anything about that but it does say you couldn't learn to read analog clock until your 11th grade <laughs> does it really say that no it doesn't oh. say that <laughs> oh if you haven't heard it already at the end of um last episode or two no, episodes yeah. ago at the Kate, end of episode 34 there's a little there's a little uh easter egg at the very end listen yeah. all the way to the end but ruth promised she was going to get me back somehow i'm sorry ruth you're a great friend <laughs> i've missed you this week i've uh had to run without her and yeah so have you run at all friend no. Oh, well, you're going to be in, a, in for a rude awakening next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will definitely see you Monday. Yes. Bridges, you can hear an open invitation to join us on a run. Mm, not much of a runner, okay. but thank you. I'll meet you at like <laughs> yeah. a Tabata class or something okay. if you want to do that. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, Bridges. Thank you. Thank you.